episode 44 of the MLS Aces podcast. This is your host, Tom Sweezy. We have an MLS Cup champion in Toronto FC. Congratulations to them. But right now, we're talking about Riley McManus, who's joining me once again. Riley, how you doing? Congratulations, Toronto FC, on a well-done season. 69 points. That's an accomplishment in itself <laughs> for multiple reasons. 69. Uh, <laughs> sex joke. Um, Thanks, Riley. It's, it's, <laughs> really need that explanation out there. Uh, as far as the Canadian Championship, cool, who cares? You have three trophies in one year, treble, whatever. Um, wow, way to just shit on their parade. I'm well. I, I'm doing well. Uh, I saw snow for the very first time in my life. That's how. That's my house, my weather thing. But Tom, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, I have my last like week and a half of grad school work for the semester, so I'm stressed as shit right now. But I'll get through it. I'll be okay. I'll hopefully pass, and uh, that's it. But for this episode, we have full recap coverage of Major League Soccer Cup. I don't know why I just called it Major League Soccer Cup. That sounds weird. <laughs> that sounds great. It we sounds should so... rename it to that. It, no, but that, like, that's the actual name. It just sounds weird. Um, we have full... It's like the Football Association Cup. The National Football League Super Bowl. Um, but we have full coverage of uh, MLS Cup. Um, we are going to recap that game with an interview with Ariel Castillo of MLSsoccer.com. And then we are moving on into some expansion draft talk, some trade talk that happened. And we are, have a little show note, not show note, a little MLS Aces note at the end for you guys to pay attention to going into the offseason. So, it kind of was a show note. It's, what, sh- ah, shut it's, up. it's a note, note about the show, but hey, it's okay. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy the interview. Today we are joined with MLS.com senior Ariel Castillo. Ariel, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And it's uh, it's MLSsoccer.com. Sorry, um, MLSsoccer.com. Yeah, <laughs> not the real estate service. How are you? I'm doing good. Great. Um, we have you on the show today to talk MLS Cup. Finished MLS season finally finished up after a long season this past weekend. And we saw TFC raise the cup two nothing over the Seattle Sounders. Um, it wasn't that good of a game. I, and I don't. This is that's my opinion. I don't know how you were feeling about the game, but what did what did you think of the game as a whole? Oh, um, I thought the complete opposite, <laughs> especially compared. You know, considering that this was a rematch of last year's MLS Cup, um, it was night and day. I mean, remember. Uh, 2016, not even a single shot on goal during mm-hmm. regulation time, and um, and this time it was pretty exciting. I mean, Stephen Fry standing on his head, like everyone said, and I, I thought all the work he had to put in, uh, unfortunately for his side, fortunately for viewers, made the first half especially uh, pretty darn interesting. I mean, maybe it was. Maybe I'll correct my wording. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> as as a bad of a game as maybe just a bad of a game from the Seattle Sounders side that mm. they couldn't really control the ball in the midfield. And I think there was a. I don't know. Something was missing from that Seattle Sounders side, and I feel like they tried to bring on Jordan Morris late to kind of give him a little bit of a spark, but even he couldn't give the Sounders anything. Um, I definitely, yeah, well, I'll agree with you that as someone who is, uh, I love both Seattle and Toronto. I don't have a favorite, um, team, but I, 
I am Seattle sympathetic. Of course, I'm also Portland sympathetic. So whatever. But I have enjoyed. I, I enjoy watching Seattle as a cast of characters. Let's say as a squad. I've enjoyed seeing what they've done under Brian Schmetzer. Mm-hmm. So it, it it was for me disappointing to see them sort of fold and make their goalkeeper, who is amazing, do all the work. And I agree. I don't know what happened with the midfield there. It was super unfortunate. Um, and, yeah, we could argue about the lineups they should or should not have used. You could argue that, um, you know, knew who should have started. You could argue that Jordan Morris should have come in earlier. But, um, you know, I don't know. At the end of the day, hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty. So Exactly. Yeah. As, as it's my turn to ask a question, um, I actually disagree with Tom, okay. like usual. I think the game was fascinating. It was end-to-end soccer in the first half. Stefan Frey, like you mentioned, was unbelievable. Um, since the first half was so frantic and it was played at a very high pace, uh, back and forth, how did that carry over to the second half? Did, I mean, I, I, from a television standpoint, because I'm, I'm here in Louisiana, mm-hmm. uh, it looks Seattle – Looked like Seattle got a little tired, but like they were uh, chasing the game. What do you see? Uh, um, yeah, for sure. I was, at that point in the second half, it was Toronto's game to win, and um, I yeah, I got in person. You got the same sense. It was they were catching up constantly. Unfortunately for Seattle, and when Josie scored that goal, it was kind of like well, uh, it felt bound to happen for sure. So that's how it felt in real life too. Are you going to change your name back on Twitter to number one Josie Astor fan? <laughs> yeah, that was after one of the World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> Listen, um, you know, Josie is a polarizing figure. I've always been a fan. Uh, I am still a fan. I can understand why some people feel, I don't know, especially uh, victimized by him and Michael Bradley. But, you know, I these guys aren't going to – they have to move on as athletes. So – I'm I'm happy that he was able to add a club championship um, to his year. I mean, I became a fan after his uh, drunk parade speech. Just... <laughs> you know, my favorite thing, yeah, my favorite thing about Josie too is that um, you know people can rip into him or whatever, but uh, at the end of the day, he's not going to self-flagellate, and he at this point he kind of. Uh, People are calling it a heel turn. I just think he doesn't care. You know, he has to live, <laughs> live no, his life and go on, go on with his career. And um, I much prefer this to the sort of faux humility that we see sometimes from some athletes. So uh, I'm into it. Just, you know, thrive, Josie. Exactly. I agree. Well, I think well, you should have a good time. While yeah. we're on the topic of Josie out the door, uh, I want to sure. get your perspective on it. You, I, I imagine you've seen the photo just like every other American soccer person ever was Josie out the offsides. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, I <laughs> I don't want to relitigate that one. Let's say because <laughs> it brings up a valid issue with this whole video review system. If we're not going to use it on that, then what's it here for? Because that's um, you know, the prime time to use it. You you can argue it either way, but um, take away Josie's goal, and there's still the Victor Vasquez goal. So what can you do? That doesn't really change the outcome of MLS Cup. So uh, I get it. But um, at that point, like we just said, it was really Toronto's game to win. So, um, The final question that I have, and Riley, I don't know if you have a final question, but you were obviously around the players and around the coaches way more than we are ever. But um, 
what kind of aspect can you give to the TFC locker room after a Canadian championship, after a Supporter Shield win, and after eventually the MLS Cup win? Um, well, you know, it looks like any other locker room after you win a big trophy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, um, obviously they were super happy. Uh, you know, the storyline going into the actual game all week, people at uh, training and stuff was that Seattle felt loose. Toronto was stressed out. People thought that Toronto would kind of psych themselves out. And, um, it's interesting because I was talking to Michael Bradley uh, when he came back into the locker room after the press conference and, and he echoed that and he said he kept reading that, but actually from his point of view, Toronto didn't, didn't feel tight or like they psyched themselves out. So um, I guess there was an element of sort of vindication for sure. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a locker room that seems to get along really well. I don't, you don't hear about any drama with those guys. It just seems like a team that's gelled in every aspect. My final question is, what is your best story from this from this weekend that you spent in Toronto? Mm, let me think. <laughs> um, I always – it's not really a story. I, I always enjoy hanging out with Toronto FC fans because just in general, that city is so, like, warm and welcoming, and they just – they do things that are so charming. So before the actual match, I stopped by. Um, so BMO Field, there's like a small downtown area of like offices and shops and stuff called Liberty Village. It's right just like 10 minutes away. So there's a big pre-match party and there was a, an outdoor viewing party there um, for people who couldn't get tickets because it was sold out. So I stopped by there. And it was just awesome because <laughs> there was a Tim Hortons truck. There's a game where you could literally hit an ice block with an axe to crack um, to crack swag out of this you know, frozen um, out of these blocks of ice. Uh, there was a guy in shorts, and mind you, it was snowing at that point. And um, they had Danny Dicchio come out and address the crowd, and everyone just lost their mind. So it's not really a specific story. It's just that you can tell the city really embraces the team, and um, it, it's really cool. I I was I flipped through TV, you know, in my hotel room the whole week, and you would see Toronto being discussed like on every regular mainstream news channel in English and in French, which I got a kick out of. Uh, you know, the the win was on the front page of every major newspaper. So you can just see that it's like a legit team that the city really gets behind. And that's my that's my one of my favorite things every time I go to Toronto. I mean, that's awesome. That's the only. Yeah, that's the type of environment you eventually want to see, hopefully in the United States with soccer yeah. and teams, you know. Well, there are cities, there are cities here that are like that, but um, exactly. it's cool. It's cool, especially you know here we have gridiron football that sort of takes up a lot of the conversation. There, it's hockey, so it's cool to see them embracing soccer as well. I mean, that's awesome, Ariel. And um, I mean, I want to thank you for coming on. This is Ariel Castillo, senior editor at MLSsoccer.com. Um, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Waiting for it to. Okay. I want to thank Ariel Castillo for coming on on the show. Ariel's always an awesome person to talk to, always an awesome guest on the show. And she is our first reoccurring guest. Is she? I, I'm pretty sure she's our first reoccurring guest. I just thought about that. I don't know. Hey. You want, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, besides you? I'm not, I'm not, okay. <laughs> I'll work, I'll work for you. I'm not a guest. You work hard. See? <laughs> I've been doing this for a year, and I still don't feel like I'm part of the team. Uh, that's how <laughs> Hazel, I, Hazel I want you on your toes. I want you on your toes. Um, Hazel the rookie. 
All right. Seriously, uh, thank you, Ariel, for coming on. Um, Riley, did you have any final points about MLS Cup that you kind of wanted to talk about with me before we uh, move on to some other stuff? Seattle was bad, and Toronto is better, and that's why they have a cup. I and Seattle, and and for all the people saying Seattle last year was a fluke, Seattle's last year was not a fluke. No, not they a were fluke. they were really good last year Seattle, with under Brian Smelter. The, the whole Ziggy Smith thing got old. Seattle quick. was very good last year, and they were very good this year. And, and honestly, I think they were the second best team in Major League Soccer at the end of it. Like I think that them losing the championship game. I think that that was an honest representation of what they were. I think that TFC was just, just better than them, and that's what showed. Um, some We talked about this a little bit, that Seattle kind of had a difficulty getting ball possession in the midfield, and I may have started the argument on Twitter, but I want to hear your opinion, uh, Riley. Do you think that Ozzy Alonso would have helped in that um, ball possession in the midfield for Seattle if he could have played? I don't think he would have hurt <laughs> I, like, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I like the short, sweet, and you're, I, mean, I, I think you're right. Is he is having on the Alonzo in a field at this point in his career, at 34 years old, for a single game playoff? Is that really a bad option? No, I mean, I for after what, like 10 days of rest, and he's still injured. Like he's had a ton of rest. Like he he would have been fine to go. And nah. If he was healthy, he would have been well yes. rested. I would have went ni- If he's healthy, no, he probably would have went ninety. And I'm not sure about 120, but he went for sure would have went ninety. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't hurt at all to have Ozzy Alonso in the field. Obviously, but they did. Seattle's trying to move into a different direction by not protecting him on the expansion draft list, and that is a perfect transition into what we're about to talk about. And that is the 2017 expansion draft for the brand new franchise coming in 2018 LAFC. Okay, uh, we didn't talk about this. I just thought about this on air as recording. Ooh. Should we explain to people that may not be familiar with Major League Soccer as well as you know the rest of us that do this kind of stuff? Maybe what an expansion draft is, and maybe Latif Blessing if he's listening. <laughs> we'll uh, talk about this really quickly then, Riley. Um, okay. Uh, uh, you got it or me? I, I mean, I, I have the thing in front of me. All right, for teams coming in via expansion, uh, if you want to refer back to last year with Atlanta and Minnesota, all previous MLS teams from last year have a list of players. They have protected players and unprotected players, and the new expansion teams can come and pick players off these rosters. This year, there's only one MLS expansion team, that is Los Angeles Football Club, and they had five picks in this draft to pick players off of other teams. So it's kind of a fair trade for these new MLS teams coming in to get experienced, young, most of the time not great MLS players, but MLS players nonetheless on their team to kind of build and start their soccer culture. So... That is your 2018 MLS expansion draft explanation now to the 2018 MLS expansion draft thing that happened. I mean, I am going to say that there are some gold mines that you can find in the expansion draft. Oh, definitely, um, yeah. That, that's a that's a for sure thing. So the expansion draft literally happened an hour ago. So it, this is all new, and I'm sure by the time we release this, Someone's been traded or a free agent's been signed because free agency just opened up 10 minutes ago, too. So we are recording at a very poor time, Riley. But 
The expansion draft. Here is who here is who was selected by LAFC. Former Seattle Sounders goalkeeper Tyler Miller. Former San Jose Earthquake forward Marco Urania. Former SKC forward slash winger Latif Blessing. Former Columbus Crew SC left back Yuka Raitala. And now former TFC left back, left wing back Raheem Edwards. Riley, who do you like? Who don't you like? Um, I do like this tweet from Ike Opara. <laughs> okay. Let's start off there. Okay. At Ike Opara on Twitter. Latif got to be wondering what the hell just happened. Because <laughs> yeah, no, like, no one knows what this is. No, and if you're it's... from outside the league and you've only spent one year here, you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> Jack Harrison did not know what happened when he got drafted number one overall. No, and now he's killing he it. He was like, I'm an English player. We don't have drafts here to get into the league. We signed. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Any, anyways, my, my thoughts on the draft. LAFC, they made some good picks. They made a pick that... Um, I mean, Tyler Miller was kind of a, the biggest shocker, I guess. I mean, he's he's a good goalkeeper. He's, he's backed up, obviously, one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. And he, he proved he was really good in the match when they played in Houston that I happened to be at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Tyler Miller, not a bad goalkeeper. Latif Blessing, he's proven he's a goal scorer through Dom Dwyer's absence in SKC when he got traded. Um I think I think I made some good picks. Marcus Urania, a star man. They're probably up there with Carlos Vez or lead forward. I, th- I think it's a good move. I think I think LAFC is making some good decisions. And you and me were joking around, um, texting back and forth about LAFC is going to win MLS Cup next year. LAFC versus Atlanta United. <laughs> you and me were just tossing shots, but uh, I think LAFC is the Atlanta United that. We saw this past year making the playoffs, you know, shocking the world, all this, you know, cliche nonsense you want to throw out. I think LAFC is really, really good. Obviously, they still have to put the rest of their team together, but I no. think uh, I think this is going to be um, a good, good little project from Bob Bradley and the LAFC owners. No, exactly. Um, the, the, Tyler Miller, he's a young goalkeeper under 25. He's shown he can play in USL when uh, Sounders loan him down to S2, and when he got a sh- when he got a chance in these playoffs, he, he he was blocking shots and he looked good. So I don't know if this is going to turn into a Tyler Miller starting job in the future. I I'm going to say I doubt it, but it wouldn't surprise me if you see Tyler Miller in net for LAFC next year because he's a youngster. He's improved his game every single year since being in the league. And I like the pick there. Marco Urania, 27-year-old Costa Rican, I think his national team play has helped him because him scoring in Major League Soccer, he's not a he's not a guy that's going to go out and get you 15 goals a season. He'll get you eight goals a season and kind of maybe free up play for someone else, like like they like he did for Wondolowski at San Jose. Maybe he can do the same thing for Carlos Vela at LAFC. Um, Latif Blessing, he's 20 years old. He had a great U.S. Open Cup, and I think another year in the league, we'll, we'll see even more improved play heading into 2018. Um, and then this is where it got interesting for me, and this is where I kind of want to talk about some things with LAFC. You have Yuka Ritala, left back for the Columbus Crew, and you have Raheem Edwards, who was a left back, left wing back for TFC. Um, I think 
obviously one of those two guys are gone. And I think it's going to be Raheem Edwards. I just think he has more upside that you can trade. He's young. He had a breakout year. He's an MLS Cup champion at this point. He had six assists in ten games to start the year, and everyone was freaking out that he's going to beat out Justin Morrow. I think that Raheem Edwards is gone, and I think maybe he can go back to TFC, and maybe LAFC can get someone better or some money for him. I don't know. That's just me, but I think one of those two guys are gone. I mean, they have to. I think they're going to trade him and get that money for Cucharo Ronaldo. <laughs> get that but, money uh, for, uh, for Wesley Snyder. But I think LFC is going to trade him for money back to Toronto. Maybe it's not Toronto. Maybe it's someone else. But I think they're going to trade to get the money because LFC has, uh, of course, been rumored to big name signings like uh, Geniac from, uh, from Tigras or um, a Wesley Snyder or whoever it may be. Like, they've been linked to some pretty big names, so I think they're going to try to make a run at another one. They've already got Carlos Vea, of course, but... Uh, Maybe a, a DP number 10, which... Maybe a Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Well, I'm saying that could be maybe the Wesley Snyder sighting, even though that there's been rumors that Snyder's going to join the Galaxy in January. I don't know. There's a lot... That's going to be a... F- that's going to be a fun rivalry. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, not even, not even on the field, just getting star players... They come think, to their clubs. I think we're going to see a big offseason from the Galaxy. Um, I think that there's going to be some major changes and some major player signings because they have to rival a brand new LAFC team that's coming in that have made some interesting signings and trades already. And one of those trades was, I think, the biggest blockbuster of oh, that. Of yeah, that, we didn't talk about that. Exactly, yet. of that half-day uh, kind of trading frenzy that Major League Soccer teams can have. And that was FC Dallas sending U.S. Men's National Team center back Walker Zimmerman to LAFC for $500,000 in allocation money. Um, I mean, right there, if you look at the, the, the defense they already have set up, you have a left back in um, Juka Ritala or Raheem Edwards, whoever you want to pick. Then you have a right back in Egyptian international uh, guy. Yeah, uh, I think his name, last name is Gaber. Uh, that's, sorry, that's all I know. I don't know your first name. You're not you're Egyptian not, guy on the right. You, you haven't played wing. a game in Major League Soccer yet, so I don't know your name. Um, he's a right back, Egyptian international, Gaber, and then you have Walker Zimmerman on that back line. So right there, you have a pretty good back line. That that's that just add one more center back that I think they're they're going to be signing pretty soon probably, and you have a good back line with Carlos Vela up top already. So. What do you think about the Walker Zimmerman trade? I think it solidifies LAFC as a legitimate Atlanta lookalike from last year because they have the defense. They have a good enough squad so far. Of course, they're not done yet. Of course, uh, where they have like nine players right now? Uh, like not 10? Even. I don't even think not even. They don't have a starting lineup. They, have they barely have a they don't have, they have zero midfielders. Or like yeah. maybe maybe <laughs> like one or two. Maybe. I think they we don't eight, know yet. I think they have eight players, literally. They have eight they have, players. Because they have the five, and then they have Zimmerman, Gaver, and Vela. Vela, then the, yeah, okay, that's, sure. It's, they have, don't have enough. Okay. Unless you're, you know, playing with a red card. That, okay, analogy's stupid. I think they solidified, with the picks they have made, a roster that is good enough to compete in this league. Obviously, they've never played with each other ever. Like, this set of guys, 
and they have no idea what it's going to look like. And it's going to be a lot like Atlanta last year, where they they were really bad in the beginning. first couple games. Yeah. They figure it out. They screw it up again. Then they figure it out. Then it's bad again. Like it's going to be an up and down season. It's going to be figuring it's not out gonna, which group of players works. This is not going to be a Minnesota United where they're just really bad. No, I don't and then they that. figure it out. This is going to be an Atlanta situation. And that's not even a parallel to them just coming in the league. That's just the, the talent and how they've gone about getting talent in Bob which Bradley. the coach they brought exactly. in and the players they brought in. I mean, this is a LA, LAFC is Atlanta United, basically. Just black and gold and on the other side of the country. Well, I'm going to say a little mm-hmm. different. I'm not going to say they're the exact same. But no, not the exact same, but the same logic, same structure, same not everything, but same concept no, exactly. of what's going on. I think because that's um, how you build this thing. Exactly. I, I think a perfect comparison that you're going to see is Tata Martino went for a bunch of young, talented South American players that he's he's known and he's scouted. Just as Bob Bradley's gone after Gaber, an Egyptian international. Obviously, Bob Bradley had a stint with the Egyptian national team, and um, he got. Yuka Raitala in the expansion draft, who when Bob Bradley was going through his whole thing in uh, in Finland, I think he's Finnish. So I mean, like, I obviously there's been there's was some connection there. I feel so. I think Bob Bradley may look European, where Tata Martino may have been looking South American. So I think that's a perfect comparison right there. Um, but let's. Move that's on. why they're playing MLS Cup next year. Exactly. Um, let's move on <laughs> to some other very notable trades that happened in that half day trade window. The Let's do it. New England Revolution and new head coach Bob, uh, Brad Friedel, I almost called him Bob Friedel, Brad Friedel, have <laughs> Bob, traded Bob away. That's a better name. <laughs> have traded away a large amount of salary cap space and forward Kai Kamara to the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, like I said, the Revs dumped away a lot of salary cap space with Kai Kamara's contract, and the Whitecaps got a proven goal scorer in Major League Soccer. So, I think this was a pretty even trade. What about you? I think the Whitecaps are going to be benefited more immediately, of course. Mm-hmm. They have – they were good last year, I think. They were number one seed up until the last day, then they screwed it up in Portland. I mean, that's a tough place to go into as a rival, but um, they were good last year. They they had a somewhat decent squad to get them in the playoffs and obviously get slaughtered by Seattle. But – uh, this kind of improves it, of course. I mean, adding Kai Kamara, who scores goals, and the whole point of soccer is to score goals and beat the other team by more goals. That's always good. Exactly. I think. So I think I think Vancouver. The... Sorry. It, it is Montero coming back. He's not a guaranteed comeback because I think that was a one-year contract. But if Montero comes back and you have Montero playing next to Kai Kamara, I think they're different enough players where that could be successful in Vancouver. That that was actually my next point. Montero, I apologize. if he's not coming... No, I had to ask, uh, just for the sake of me being right. <laughs> um, Montero, if he doesn't come back, they have someone to substitute him in. Like, so they're not completely screwed over no, by exactly. a one-year contract. And if he does come so, back, I think they could play together. And they're going to win MLS Cup. Are you picking everyone for MLS Cup? <laughs> Dude, it's December. Um, <laughs> he almost comes a year away. It's not, These picks don't even count. It's not too early to, to make your predictions. Um, I have four next, teams winning MLS Cup. The next signings that occurred on that half-day uh, transfer window. 
was DC United made two signings, and I think two very good signings, but we'll, t- we'll get into that. First, they acquired New York City FC center back Frederick Brilliant from New York City FC, obviously. And then they acquired forward Darren Maddox from the Portland Timbers. These are two guys. These are two guys. <laughs> that was my pick. That was my pick, remember. Um, these are two guys that aren't going to jump off the page at you. These aren't two guys that aren't going to make the MLS All-Star team and be an MLS Best 11 at the end of the year. But these are two guys that you know what you're going to get out of them. And I think it is a safe and smart move from DC United. Instead of going after some guy who who could either be successful or be a bust, why don't, you, why don't you go out and get two guys who, you know, Darren Maddox will put away eight to ten goals for you. You know, Frederick Brilliant will put in a solid 90 minutes for you. It may be an own goal every six games, but he'll put, <laughs> trust me, I know, I've watched, but he'll put away a solid 90 minutes for you for the most part. Um, I mean, that's just my, that's my viewpoint of, this, of these uh, trades. What do you think? I guess I'm just a Darren Maddox lover. Like, I really like Darren Maddox a lot. I hope he succeeds wherever he goes. With that being said, I think he's going to be really good in that D.C. system. Him and Patrick Mullins? Him and Patrick Mullins are going to connect. I'm not saying he's a starter. By by any means, Darren Maddox is a bench player in MLS. Super sub. But he's a super sub. He's like Alan Gordon. But... I think better. Um, I mean, Alan Gordon, MLS legend. He's Alan Gordon, um, but Jamaican. He's, he's Alan freaking Gordon. Um, but Darren Maddox, I think he's a good fit in D.C. I really like that move a lot. Uh, Frederick Brilliant, as they say in France. Um, that's good. That's good back signing. Again, a defense is not MLS's strong suit. We've seen that. That's why there's 7 nil core lines in MLS and mm-hmm. you know four three five seven whatever the crazy amount of goals being put up on these teams by the good teams to bad teams and that really shouldn't happen in a league with such parity so MLS is a uh, offensively driven league so I think picking up good center backs good fullbacks when you find one you know they're rare it's like rubies um yes I just called you a ruby Keegan Rosenberry be, be honored. Center back. No, I called him uh, fullbacks. Ah. I'm talking about fullbacks ah, as rubies because they're because they're rare. Because Jovan Jones just left to go to some and mine in Germany. And Ambrose Ayango. Yeah, but they're going some like ruby mine in Germany where they can be actually used properly. But um, and and that ruby mine is called the Bundesliga. But I think these signings for DC will get them up off the cellar floor. And maybe up to the red line. Maybe fighting for a red line spot if they can. Again, we don't know what these we don't know what these rosters gonna look like come February Mm -hmm. because we still have a ton of crap to get through the offseason with and we have to, you know, do off season content. But it's a good start. But it's a good start. But it's a good start. And a lot of these Eastern Conference teams have to do some catching up on you know, Atlanta making moves on DC making moves, on just everyone trying to be better than they were last year. Because that's all that's the ultimate goal. You want to be better than they were last year. Okay? DC United, you were eleventh, maybe you should try to go for tenth or ninth. Just somewhere. Maybe you should above go for 10th place. Maybe you shouldn't be the complete worst team. Maybe you should be the second <laughs> maybe you shit shouldn't team. Have, 
Maybe you probably shouldn't have a top five pick in MLS. You should go for six or seven. Um, moving on that, to the – no, we're moving on. Whatever. You went into a whole ramble. It doesn't even make sense now. The last two um, oh, trades that happened, pretty um, not spectacular trades, probably going to be bench players. But I'll say it anyway. You can quickly talk about it. Um, the Houston Dynamo have acquired midfielder Arturo Alvarez from the Chicago Fire. And Minnesota United, they have acquired, um, what's his name, Harrison Heath. Adrian Heath, the head coach of Minnesota United, his son Harrison from Orlando City. Yeah. Not Orlando City. Yeah. From Atlanta. My bad. I read the wrong thing. But um, Yeah, he used to play in Orlando with Adrian Heath. I I don't think these trades are, like, huge. I don't think they're going to, you know, make or break a team season. Okay. I'm gonna say this, Harrison Heath. That his whole career is a crap show. Yeah, I don't think he's good. He's he's not, not good. good at all. He's a and, USL and we, player. We we say not good. These are guys, professional soccer players, are obviously better than we are. But it's I, I'm in the media. I can gas back. Um, he's not good at all. So mo- him moving to go play with his dad is probably the best thing for him because he might actually get some minutes. <laughs> that is just um, some minutes, Harrison. Because <laughs> that whole. Thing and that's why Adrian Heath got fired because he was playing favoritism with Adrian Heath or to Harrison Heath starting in the midfield against you know the better teams in Milan. That's why Orlando sucks. But um, <laughs> but uh, I think those are just two moves that don't really matter. Yeah, I mean I think Arturo Alvarez could be a good bench player, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Let's move it's on. just the, it's just their faceless or their nameless faces moving the rotation of benches in MLS. No. That was poetic. I like that. Let's move on. We have one more, not not a uh, not an official trade, but we have no, not yet. It's rumors, we have and one, I'm excited. We have one rumor that I'm excited about, but no one else to be seems excited about on the on the Twitter sphere. But so if you are excited about it, then contact me on Twitter. We'll talk. But, I mean, you weren't excited about it. I told you about it yesterday. I was excited. Well, I didn't know. I was I was doing schoolwork because I'm a good student. Um, oh, yeah, sure. Apparently, this is the rumor, that Atlanta United has traded for former Portland Timber midfielder and U.S. Men's National Team midfielder Darlington Nagby. Well, I have to I have to correct that. It, they're in the final stages. Oh, of, sorry. So he is still of, a current. Acquiring him. He is still, He's a, still a member of the Portland Timbers midfielder. Um, he still he still plays for Portland. Um, probably won't play there long, <laughs> but with, he still he still reports to their training facility every day. Um, with Emil Assad, the Atlanta United midfielder, his decision of being brought back on his loan deal is still up in the air. And you know, Riley and I have talked about this. Even if he is brought back, Nagby is still a very good piece to add, and he's a depth, and he's going to be a starter there. And that just adds more and more depth to this Atlanta team. I mean, this is this is crazy. Like, this is one of the biggest names in the league going to a team that had success in their first year. Yeah, Tom, don't don't wet yourself. Um, hey. <laughs> uh, as far as my my thoughts on the Dolphins Nagby situation, nobody cares. Just to be poetic, Dolphins Nagby is moving from the Rose City to the ATL and let's freaking party because this is going to be a good thing for Atlanta United. I, I was talking to an Atlanta United fan yesterday and she's like, I'm not pre I'm trying not to pre-order his jersey right now. 
and, and, and that's and that's just the, the small little example. People get really excited for these big names, and trust me, I love Dalton Agby. I absolutely have a man crush on Dalton Agby. Him moving to Atlanta, if this does happen, and he doesn't do well at first, don't freak out. He's moving to a new team that's already pretty well established with each other. They played one year. They had a fantastic year. And so Zach Steffen came in and just was freaking amazing and ruined their whole thing. But Atlanta United have to implement this guy into the system. This is a guy that's worth tinkering your system for to fit him in because he's a proven player that will produce in every situation for you. And moving into that environment – He'll produce in every situation for you unless it's a game that you need at least tie to make it to the World Cup. Sorry, but continue. That was Josie Astro and Michael Bradley. That was I don't care what Ariel Castillo says. Nagby allowed, <laughs> uh, let one of the midfielders for Trinidad run past them and set up a goal. But fine, continue. Yeah, okay. I, I don't. I choose not to live in the past unless, unless it's like a, a player other than Dalton Nagby. Okay, so, I mean, he's going to, he's proven he is pretty productive in situations. Okay, reword it. But I think even if they do keep Assad, we just saw two teams playing MLS Cubs, the Seattle Sounders and Toronto FC, that have amazing depth. They have insane, insane amount of talent on their benches. So even if they do keep email aside and they bring in Dalton Nagby and they have a little salary cap issue, they don't really need to worry about that right now. They can unload some players next year, but they can make it work, make it work. Because this team, with the talent they had and the, and the way they played last year, all coming back together with a full offseason under their belt to actually train together, this is going to be a really, really good team. And I would hate to go into that building in its first full year, and play that team with Dalton Tanagby, Miguel Abner, Joseph Martinez running at you, ready to score throw, ready to score goals down your throat. And this is it. This is the beginning to a crazy MLS offseason that we're about to have. And just some notes here from the MLS Aces side of things is that this is going to be our last regularly scheduled weekly podcast. We are going to, now that the off season's here and uh, news is going to slow down a ton, we are going to be doing an episode every two weeks. So you can still hear us. We're still going to be talking. We're still going to talk about the... Um, the, the, the college... We're going to make up content. We're going to... Well, the college draft, when that comes, I can't think of the name right now. Super draft. Uh, MLS Super Draft, when that comes, then we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about any big signings, any big trades. Um, free agency just opened up at 3 o'clock Eastern on the 12th, so I'm sure we'll be talking about some of the free agents that sign with teams. But it's not going to be an every week thing because we don't want to bore you guys with just talking about potential what what a team's going to look like in 2018 when things may change in a week or two weeks or a month from now. So, we're not going to speculate on big-name players coming over here because we did that last year. And it turned into and shit. It, so. And Zlatan still plays for Manchester United. <laughs> so, Riley, before we go, do you want to let them know what's going to come out every other week in this offseason? I want to tell them that I have a surprise. 
for everyone in the offseason. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but it's going to be a surprise, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. And I, the only other thing I'll let you know is is it, it's going to be every other week that we don't have an episode. So Right. So you got to wait two weeks, every two weeks for a surprise. So we're going to have... So we're going to have episode, Riley Surprise, episode, Riley Surprise, and go like that until we talk about uh, predictions. And, and of course, if something big happens, we'll do an emergency show or, yeah. you know, something. We'll, we'll figure it out. You guys are going to learn how to do the off-season podcasting thing with us because we've never done it before. Trust us. Because we have not actually had a full year of content under our belt. <laughs> Uh, January 6th. Exactly. Just, you just got to trust us. That's all we got to do. And on that note, thank you to Ariel Castillo for coming on. Riley, thank you for having our full full first season of doing Major League Soccer podcasting coverage. And everyone, have a great day.